Welcome to 340B Insight from 340B Health. Hello from Washington, D.C., and welcome back to 340B Insight, the podcast about the 340B drug pricing program. I'm David Glendinning with 340B Health. Our guest today is Betty Fang, Director of Ambulatory, Specialty, and Retail Pharmacy at Advent Health Great Lakes Region in Illinois, a system formerly part of Amita Health. We invited Betty on the show to discuss a case study that demonstrates how a 340B health system can operate an efficient specialty pharmacy that improves patient health outcomes. Specialty pharmacy has taken on more prominence in recent years as increased numbers of patients are requiring specialty medications for their treatment plans. This brings up drug access and cost issues that 340B can play a role in helping to address. But before we go to that interview, let's take a minute to cover some of the latest news about 340B. The dispute over 340B contract pharmacies continues to make its way through federal appeals courts. Earlier this month, 340B Health was joined by four other national hospital associations in filing joint friend-of-the-court briefs with two of those courts. Our amicus briefs, which our groups filed in cases involving Eli Lilly and AstraZeneca, defend the authority of the Department of Health and Human Services to enforce the 340B statute against the company's unlawful contract pharmacy restrictions. In the briefs, we tell the judges considering the cases that, quote, the continued viability of the 340B program and the care it allows hospitals to provide to America's most vulnerable patients is at stake in this case, end quote. You can go to the show notes to read more of our unified message to the courts. The drug company Bausch Health recently became company number 18 to announce that it would impose restrictions on 340B pricing for drugs dispensed to contract pharmacies. Starting August 1st, covered entities that do not agree to turn over contract pharmacy claims data that the company is demanding will not be able to continue receiving 340B pricing on those dispensed drugs, with certain strict exceptions. HHS continues to pursue enforcement actions against companies that have imposed such restrictions. The latest drug company to receive a violation letter from the government is UCB, which was the ninth company to implement its contract pharmacy policy. You can read our press releases on the Bausch and UCB developments in the show notes. A few episodes back, we featured our Lady of the Lake Regional Medical Center as a preview of 340B Health's annual report on how 340B hospitals are pursuing health equity throughout the nation. If you missed the release of that report, we encourage you to read it now. You will learn more about the seven hospitals and health systems that we profiled in this year's report and the health equity best practices that they are following. Check out the show notes to learn more and to be inspired. And now for our feature interview with Betty Fang on embedding 340B specialty pharmacists into an outpatient setting. Betty has some compelling research to share about how one 340B health system's innovative approach to specialty pharmacy has led to more resources for patient care. Miles Goldman recently sat down with her to learn more. Here's that conversation. Thank you, David. I'm joined by Betty Fang. 
Betty, welcome to 340B Insight. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am really excited to have you on as a guest today because specialty pharmacy is a topic we just keep hearing about from 340B Health members and in pharmacy news outlets. And that's actually how I initially learned more about the work you're doing was was through a news article and, and hearing about a presentation you made at ASHP mid-year. So I'm excited to delve into all that. But before we go too far into this conversation and to make sure everyone is is up to speed, tell me a bit about why are specialty drugs important to patients? So specialty medications are usually very expensive and require some additional monitoring and are usually prescribed for some complex or rare disease states. And most of these medications are filled at specialty pharmacies um, who can handle all of the above criteria. And patients who are prescribed these medications are usually not familiar with how to get their medications from these specialty pharmacies because it may be the first time they've used those types of pharmacies. So these medications really require that special handholding on the patient's end to make sure they can get access to the drugs. So we're not talking about, you know, the mom and pop pharmacy or, you know, a, a major chains pharmacy that's maybe just down the street from them. Exactly. So these patients are not used to not seeing a handwritten prescription handed to them and they can go to their local uh, Walgreens or CVS to get them filled. And can you tell us just a little bit more about the types of diseases that specialty drugs are, are treating? So specialty medications are for more complex disease states like oncology, hematology, rheumatology, GI, like hep C, or even neurology for MS. Let's bring 340B into this conversation. What is the connection between 340B and specialty drugs? So because of how expensive these specialty drugs are, the hospitals really rely on that 340B savings to continue to support their patients and their community. It really brings down the total cost of drug expense for the health system. So for our health system, we utilize our 340B savings to help patients that may be uninsured or underinsured, and there is no third party or foundation assistance available for those specialty drugs. So we use the savings to apply back to the patient to help them pay for their out-of-pocket costs so that it helps to eliminate that barrier so they can either get started on these expensive but life-saving medications or stay on therapy so there's no gap in their therapy. Let's start to discuss your research, which I'm excited to hear more about. Can you describe the health system where your research takes place and the specialty pharmacy program that is the subject of the research? Sure. Amida Health is a 19-hospital health system located in Illinois. Our specialty pharmacy services program operated out of one of those hospitals. The pharmacy is a contract pharmacy for Amida Health's 340B entities and the main dispensing hub for both 340B and non-340B hospitals and providers throughout the system. Tell me more about what your research question was. The purpose of the study was to evaluate the time it took for oral oncolytic specialty medications to arrive to the patient before 
and after embedding specialty pharmacy staff into these oncology clinics. It's always interesting to hear about the research process and just how research is put together. So how did you go about conducting this study? We generated reports for all the prescription orders for oral oncolytic specialty medications that were entered in the EHR for the five oncology clinics that are included in this research. The report compared two different times periods, July through December of 2018, before we embedded any pharmacy staff, and then also the same time period in 2020 after we embedded the pharmacy staff into the clinics. The reports included patient's medical record number, order date, medication name, and we contacted each of the dispensing pharmacies to get actual dispensing dates for these medications. And we calculated the time between when the order is put into the EHR to the time when patients receive their medication. That's interesting to hear. Tell me just more about the process of actually embedding the pharmacists into the clinics. So our specialty pharmacy program operated as a hub and spoke model, meaning we have one central dispensing pharmacy and we have various specialty pharmacists and pharmacy technicians embedded in these key specialty clinics throughout the system. We have pharmacists rotating between various clinics to help support the clinic staff to make sure that those patients that are prescribed specialty medications have a direct contact to help them gain access to medication, overcome any type of financial barriers, and also obviously provide education and continue follow-up. Can you give sort of a theoretical example of what this would look like with an individual patient? Sure. So when a patient is going to get started on a medication or a prescriber's planning to start a patient on a specialty medication, the pharmacist goes in to meet with the patient directly, explain to them the process of what to expect as far as getting this medication. Because like we mentioned before, the insurance process may be cumbersome and different than what they're used to. So the pharmacist really sits down with the patient, give them an overview on how the process may look like, and then give them a better idea of what to expect as far as the therapy. What is the medication for? What are some of the side effects to expect from the medication? And how can they get the best um, outcome with their therapy? And I'm glad you mentioned outcomes because that's one area I really want to focus in on more. Do you have data on what embedding the specialty pharmacists into the clinics meant for patient health outcomes and the hospital's ability to obtain these medications? So unfortunately, we did not have a patient management software to help us track these clinical metrics, but we did manually track them after embedding the pharmacist into the clinic. We track things like what is the percentage of oncology patients that were offered or already on an anti-nausea medication prior to starting therapy, or the percentage of hep C patients that had their medication list reviewed to make sure there are no drug-drug interactions before they start therapy, or um, percentage of patients that needed to obtain baseline labs prior to therapy. So those are the things that we had tracked manually. 
And then also having pharmacy staff in clinic really helps to build the rapport between the provider and pharmacy. And the provider support in our program helped our hospital's ability to gain access to some of the medications. When you were looking at the overall data you were collecting manually, what were some of the overall conclusions? So our pharmacists are very good at making sure that all of our patients have what they need prior to starting therapy. So we had a very high percentage of patients that had the baseline labs readily available. We had a high percentage of patients that um, did not have any drug-drug interactions prior to starting therapy or that they were already addressed prior to therapy. And then making sure that our oncology patients either already had anti-nausea medications on hand or they were prescribed something for them to pick up at their local pharmacy. That's great to hear. What other results should we know about from your research on this? Oh, of course. Our research definitely show that there is a significant decrease from the time that patients were prescribed medications to when they were able to get medication on hand. Prior to having pharmacy staff embedded in clinic in 2018, the average time for patients to get started on these specialty medications were about 11.68 days on average. After embedded staff in 2020, patients were able to get their medications on average three days faster. And we attributed that to having that dedicated pharmacy staff working on insurance coverage, again, overcoming financial barriers for patients to get started on therapy and making sure we connect the patient with the dispensing pharmacy so that they can set up delivery of their medications. We also have very close relationships with the specialty pharmacies, whether that is our in-house dispensing hub or the um, big box specialty pharmacies to make sure that there is no clinical barriers that may be stopping the medication from being delivered to the patient. And tell me more about what that means for the patients being able to receive their medications, you know, several days sooner. So in this case, for our oncology patients, being able to get access to their medications faster can be life-saving for them. Imagine if you were just receive a diagnosis for cancer and your doctor recommended a medication that could potentially slow down the growth of that um, cancer or change your quality of life. You really want to get started as quickly as possible and be able to get on therapy. It's great to hear about that impact. What did using specialty pharmacists in the clinics mean for the health system's 340B savings? Having specialty pharmacists in clinic mean that we have a better idea of where our patients are filling their medications. Ideally, we want them to be filled at our in-house or contract pharmacies since we have a better visibility on the progress of the prescription. We also work very closely with our contract pharmacies to make sure that our patients are taken care of. But as we all know, some insurances require patients to use their own designated specialty pharmacy. After embedding specialty pharmacy staff in these oncology clinics, we were able to see that 91% of our prescriptions were deemed 340B eligible, compared to just 17% prior to having pharmacy staff in clinic. Now that you have additional 340B savings, how did the health system put those savings to use? 
So for our specialty patients or even patients that are getting discharged from our hospitals who may be uninsured or underinsured, and they find themselves in a situation where there's no third party or foundation assistance available to help them afford their medications or co-pays, we can leverage 340B savings to help them with their out-of-pocket costs so that they can start or stay on therapy. The 340B savings also support our pharmacy staff to help patients who may run into problem in the middle of their therapy or serve as medication experts for our clinic staff. I want to think sort of, again, big picture in terms of establishing a program such as the one you have been speaking to us about. Are there any challenges operationally or in terms of clinical care with including specialty pharmacists? And how did you overcome those? So I think change can be hard. Imagine if you've worked in a specialty clinic for five plus years and you've handled specialty medications for patients all this time. Having pharmacy staff now coming into your clinic to tell you that they can now do your job can be a scary thought that they the staff is now replaceable. So we try really hard to explain to our clinic staff that we're here to support them and we want them to have the flexibility to focus their time and attention to direct patient care. We're really working as a team to make sure that our patients get the medications they need as quickly as possible and at the lowest cost to them. I can tell you that even in some of our most challenging clinics, we eventually win the staff over because they understand our role is specific to patients that are starting specialty medications. And they can attest to how much more efficient the process has been for our patients and for them. I really like that sense of coordinated care that you're describing there. Thinking about moving forward, what do you think may be next in the evolution of embedding specialty pharmacists into clinical care? I think every clinic, whether it is specialty or chronic disease management, should really have their own pharmacy staff member in the clinic to assist with any type of medication access, whether that's a pharmacist or a pharmacy technician. Having a good understanding of pharmacy benefits ultimately helps to increase the access or the speed of access to these medications for patients and helps to increase adherence by making sure that patients stay on therapy by minimizing any type of financial or external barriers. We are actually in the process of starting a pharmacist-led medication therapy management clinic where pharmacists are seeing patients referred into clinic by their PCPs for any type of uncontrolled chronic disease management. I wish you the continued success as you move forward with that, Betty. And just, again, congratulations on all the great work you've you've achieved, you and your team, up to this point. I think this is a really interesting case study about how specialty pharmacy benefits patients. So thank you again so much for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you so much, Miles, for having me. Our thanks again to Betty Fang for sharing the research from her time at Amita Health's specialty pharmacy and discussing the connections to 340B. We appreciate the opportunity to share such examples of innovations and best practices with the broader 340B community especially when they involve measurable improvements in patient care. What else would you like to learn about 340B specialty pharmacies from the experts in the field? You can email your episode ideas and feedback to podcast at 340bhealth.org.
time is running out to register for the 340B Coalition Summer Conference, which will take place August 1st through 3rd, just outside of Washington, D.C. The conference has an impressive list of sessions and featured speakers, so you won't want to miss it. Hotel rooms are booking fast, so go to 340bsummerconference.org to sign up today. We'll see you in National Harbor. We will be back in a few weeks. As always, thanks for listening and be well. Thanks for listening to 340B Insight. Subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, visit our website at 340bpodcast.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at 340B Health and submit a question or idea to the show by emailing us at podcast at 340bhealth.org.